seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas. You know, a lot of people think of Christmas ending on Christmas Day, but you know, those who were here for Pastor James' last Wednesday night lesson know that in the past, that was just the start of the Christmas celebration. The Advent led up to the 25th, but then that was the start. You know, it was 8 to 14 days or something, depending on the calendar you follow. So I'm still focused on Christmas. I'm still celebrating, and my, my sermon will be on Christmas as well. Um, so if you turn with me, I'll give you a little preview of where we're going today. I'll go ahead and read the passages. Turn to Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles. We'll have two verses here, or, or two little sections, that are not often associated with one another. It might seem strange to pair them, but think of it as kind of a, a bookend within the book of Matthew. We'll be right at the beginning and right at the end of Jesus' life and ministry. And they both end on the same note, which I think you'll hear. All right, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then chapter 28, verses 18 through 30, although I'm actually going to read 16. Through 20. Sorry, I was the wrong number there. 16 through 20. This is the Great Commission. Although we'll focus on just the last little bit of it. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And here's the key. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. You may be seated. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Technological problem here. So what comes to mind when you think of Christmas? Think of this as one of those psychology tests where you just blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. And, and this is not a rhetorical question. What do you think of first when you hear Christmas? Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth. Very good. Very good. And that's what we should think of first. I know often I think of trees and presents and Santa first, which is not where I should start. That's good. Yeah. Anything else? Singing Christmas songs, yeah, so many great seasonal songs. And some of them are fun and maybe not so theologically correct, but there's a lot of great music, and absolutely. And they also have lots of parties and so much great seasonal food and that kind of thing, right? So this, these are great ways to celebrate Christmas. But I'm going to argue something a little surprising or unusual, that church planting is the best way to celebrate Christmas. And that actually... The church is the best gift that we can give. So church planning probably isn't in the first ten things you think of when you think of celebrating Christmas, or it's not really a Christmassy thing, but it's a lot more closely connected than we tend to think. So I hope I can show that. So what is Christmas? It's not these things. You know, it's, it's the birth of Christ. That's the core of it, right? And we've had 
about a month now of thinking about why we have Christmas. Jesus came, came to save sinners. You know, how did he save us? He came to be like us, you know, to be human, to suffer the ways that we suffer so he can represent us and all these different things. And those are very good. But what's the core of Christmas, the essence of what happened? And it's Jesus being born. It's what James mentioned, the incarnation, right? That's the fancy word we use for it, the incarnation. But it's about God being with us, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means, right? And he was born in the flesh, but it's actually more than that. And it's a bit strange if you think about it step back and and think about the promise, this prophecy that God will be with us. But this is a God who is everywhere. He is everywhere all the time, and we can never escape him. You know, we we can try to be like Jonah and run away, but you're not going to get away from God. Psalm 139 puts it this way. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where where shall I flee from your presence. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. So what does it mean that God is with us? And just saying that that Jesus had a physical body, that doesn't quite help us, because he's not here with us physically anymore, is he? He was around in the body on earth for about three decades. And as our Messiah, as a a teacher in his public ministry gathering gathering believers, we only had him for a a few short years. A few short years. But are we missing out since he left? Since he departed to go sit at the right hand of God the Father in heaven? Well, no, we're not. And as he tells us at the end, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's the beginning and the end of Jesus' time here on earth so far. You had the prophecy to Mary. We have Emmanuel, God with us. And then he was about to leave. And should we despair like the disciples after he died? Well, no. He says he will be with us always to the end of the age. So what is Christmas really? And and then more clearly, what does it have to do with church planting? Right? How does that connect to Jesus being born, or or God with us. Well, the Gospel of Matthew points us toward that. So we read these two verses. One opening, Matthew 1.23, we have Emmanuel, Jesus born, God with us. And then at the close, the last words of the book, is I am with you always to the end of the age, in, in the Great Commission there. The book begins and ends on the same note, and I think this should change the way we read the Gospel of Matthew. That we should see the story of Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection as all kind of through the lens of God with us. He shows us what it means for God to be with us. So that's how we should read it. And what do we see in the book of Matthew? We see an intimate friend. We see a gracious Savior. We see a mighty Lord who controls the weather and storms. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He loved people. He gathered believers and disciples. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God arriving. 
So how is God with us now? Since he's not here physically, he departed, right? Well, he's in, with us in the Holy Spirit and in the church, actually. The body of Christ on earth. The church is the body of Christ on earth. Matthew 18, 18 through 20 says, well, this is Jesus saying, that wherever believers gather in his name and do his work, he is there with them. So the church, the gathering of believers, is literally embodying Jesus Christ through his spirit. And that's the purpose of why Jesus came, a big part of the purpose. Of course, he's there to to die and conquer death, but he was also sent to establish the church. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this, I think, is very clearly, I won't get into too many details, it's very clearly not what the Roman Catholic Church claims, that this is establishing Peter as the Pope of Rome, who has ultimate authority over the church and can speak for God. No, he's representing the disciples, especially the twelve, who are the primary leaders. So God will establish his church even after Jesus departs through the disciples. So we can see that Actually, church planting, the establishing of the church and its growth, is the natural result of Christmas, in as much as it's an extension of Christ being embodied in the world. That's God with us. So what was left after Jesus left? He had disciples and the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the day of Pentecost, right? Where the Holy Spirit comes down and uh, inhabits their hearts and speak in tongues. And all believers then have the Spirit of Christ in their hearts. And the church explodes. The world was primed for it there in the Roman world, uh, especially when the Jewish believers were persecuted. They scattered all over the known world, all over the place. And they were evangelizing. They were sharing Jesus Christ, and they were gathering believers and making disciples. And that's the first big surge in the global gospel mission that we are charged with. So we, as the church collectively, are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet and his mouth. So is that God with us? Well, so often it is, right? As we love one another, as we reach out, we can be the arms of Christ to give a hug. We can be his mouth to proclaim the good news of Jesus, who came, who was born, and lived, and died, so that we can be reconciled with God, so we can have eternal life and joy and happiness And we can be feet who walk to those who have never heard. We can serve. We can love on his behalf and in his name. And that's kind of the heart of the Great Commission as he sends us out. All right, so I'm also going to argue from personal experience that the best way to celebrate Christmas is in church planting, actually. In my time in Japan, that was the best season of ministry that I had. It was not... A particular event, but just the whole Christmas season, I was working with different outreaches of different church plants. I had about three of them that I focused on. I know so many different activities, right? And yet, I didn't have the trappings of what we often think of when we think of celebrating Christmas. I was on the other side of the world. I didn't have my family. I didn't even have a Christmas tree. There was only one place in the city with a population the size of Chicago where you could get Christmas trees. It was Ikea. And I showed up too late. They were all sold out by the time I got there. 
So I didn't even have a Christmas tree. I didn't have family. It was hard to make most of my favorite seasonal foods from here because I couldn't find the ingredients. But that was the best Christmas I can ever have, at least that I can remember. There some childhood memories were very positive. But it was wonderful with my brothers and sisters there, but also in reaching out to the lost. And there's some cultural context there that helps a lot because the Japanese are very interested in many parts of American culture. There's so much they don't understand, but they're interested. And bits and pieces of Christmas has crossed the Pacific Ocean. Like one of the main ways that people celebrate it's it's thought of more as a couple's holiday. And everybody kind of knows Santa, but they don't know anything about Jesus. So one of the main ways they celebrate is to reserve a, a big special box meal from KFC like a month ahead of time. I think it's like $40 or something. I don't know. I never had one, but that's one of the highlights. Uh, and yet in our outreach, so you know, whether I was teaching English classes, whether I was ministering with children, um, we had music outreach, gospel choirs that drew in huge amounts of interest from the community, whatever it might be, or the events we held at the church there for you know, believers, we welcome in the community as we had a big uh, hymn singing and all kinds of things. We were reaching out and we were sharing the story of Jesus. One of my favorite things was in the English classes, going through this, especially the more advanced students, was going through many of our great songs and trying to decode the lyrics and figure out what they mean, right? And we had so much fun. And the Christmas story is something that grabs people. Even when it's very confusing and foreign and weird to them, they're interested. And there were so many times that I would just get to sit back and have a 20-minute conversation about who Jesus is and why he came and why it's important and why it's beautiful. It was the most fruitful time. And I had people coming to me asking questions. I didn't even have to start all the conversations. You know, that's something different for outreach, right? They're all coming to me because they're interested in what is this Christmas about? And who is this baby that was born? And you know, why does he matter? What does it have to do with gifts? All these things. Uh, so it was a very special time. And I think it was probably the most fruitful time of ministry I've ever had. Of course, I don't see all that fruit. I'm kind of trusting God to, to keep working in that. But that was a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas and to be wrapped up in the joy of what it means for Christ to come. Wonderful evangelism connection with local brothers and sisters, it was a wonderful time. And I would also argue that church planting, working to build up the church to grow disciples, to reach out and gather people together, is the best gift that we can give. And we're really walking in Jesus' footsteps there. He came to establish the church. He came to embody God, God with us. And that's what happens when we give the church, which is church planting, right? It's the heart of the Great Commission. And that's true abroad. It's a bit more simple to understand that in some ways, why church planting is important for people in a place where there are no churches. One great example is the largest unreached people group right now in the world is the Sheikh people. They're Muslims. They live in Bangladesh. Of about 130 million people, there are basically zero Christians, as far as I know. I think there's a few ministries that are, are reaching out and trying to work with them, but basically 0% Christians. So it's easy to understand why trying to plant a church there would be a great idea, even if it's intimidating and challenging, right? Because they need Jesus. 
But it's true even here. And study after study shows that evangelism is most effective within the context of planting a church. And so there's many great ways to serve in our global gospel mission. But the core is planting a church. I certainly I don't want to devalue any parachurch ministries or, or all the different ways we can serve. But the core is church planting. And here, so it's the best form of evangelism here, but it's, it's also just true that even though we're in the heart of the Bible Belt, we're in Winsboro. You know, this area of the country is, is the heartland of Scotch-Irish Presbyterianism. It's the area for most of the ARP and the PCA. There are tons of churches everywhere. And yet even here, it is the most effective way to reach people with the gospel. It's especially clear in the areas that are growing quickly. You know, some parts of Columbia, certainly Greenville, Spartanburg, lots of Charlotte. But even around here, there's a lot of people that are not effectively reached by the churches that are here. Something about the particular ministries they have or the kind of people that are there, you know, it doesn't connect with everyone. And so the best way to reach out is church planting, to make a new church that reaches out to these people that are not reached so, we can keep celebrating Christmas as we are. You know, I'm not trying to change that. I know I'll keep it up. I'll keep my decorations around for a while. Keep singing wonderful songs. So how do we respond to Christmas? And, and especially thinking as we look forward to the new year, right? So yes, we should stop and, and have uh, a period of thankfulness and celebration of Jesus having come. To respond in faith and trust to praise and worship, and to love one another. But do you ever ask yourself, what comes next? How can I act, you know, if you want to act? Well, what comes next? When, I would argue, church planting comes next. And I want to give you three kind of simple, concrete first steps that we can consider together. Because if you think of planting a church, that's a huge project, right? That's, that's massive and so challenging. It's so many people and resources. Where do you even start? It's very complicated. So I want to give three simple first steps. The first, I charge you, I ask you to pray. Prayer is the first step of church planting. And that's because it's, it's God's work. It's, it's what He is working in the world before it's us. And we need Him to work in the hearts of men and women. We need to pray for God's guidance because this is not something we can do on our own and it is so complicated. We pray for passion and vision and we ask God to raise up workers and resources to make that happen and trust that he will do that. So we should pray, you know, certainly as, as a congregation and individuals. But the next is, is kind of the key for perhaps a next step Something I, I want you to ponder this week, to think over. So we pray, and we need vision. We need to know where we're going, to have an idea of you know, what's, what's this point off in the future? What are we striving toward in, in faith and trust that God will work through us and in us? And that's vision. And I, I want to offer a simple beginning, because it's much too complicated for me to, to develop that here. That, you know, that's a hard, long process that we do together, but... A simple vision for church planting. Bethel ARP can and should, by the grace of God, 
work to promote church planting. And that's a, a serious reality. I, that Bethel can and should, by the grace of God, plant a church. Let that reality sink in and, and ponder and pray over that. And that doesn't mean we have to do that by ourselves, right? That can take many forms. That can be working together with others to, to promote these things. Or maybe God will raise up a passion in us and Bethel will plant a church by ourselves or, you know, as a more primary thing. And let's think about that as a congregation. That would be us, us praying and working through. What would that look like? Who could we work with? Are we confident that God could really do that in and through us here? That God would plant a church? And then on the individual level, I ask you to think about how could you support church planting in your gifts, in your resources, in your abilities, and, and who you are. What can you do? And just think about how could you serve and, and do that? So we have prayer. We have vision, you know, dwelling on that reality that, that God can truly do that in and through us here. And last is that we need leaders. We need to reproduce leaders of all types. Not just it's not all about the church playing pastor or about interns in seminary. You know, we need leaders to plant a church. We need to raise up leaders and train them and equip them, give them opportunities and to develop them in leadership. We have many leaders here. Some lead in worship and singing. We have leaders in women's ministry and children's ministry and, and outreach and so many different things. I don't even know all of them. So my question to you leaders is, are you reproducing? Are you training up someone that can replace you or that you can send out? Is that a part of our culture here at this church that we train up people to send them out? Are we? Do we have that... Enterprising spirit. So that's three big practical steps I want to lead with you. That the natural result of Christmas is God with us. That's the heart of what Christmas is, and that is the church. And that's what Christ came to do. And I think it's a wonderful way to enjoy and celebrate Christmas. And it's the best gift we can give. Three ways to start is to pray, to think about vision, and to Reproduce leaders. Think about how you can train leaders, or maybe you are a potential leader, and think about opportunities for you to grow. All right, I'm going to close this in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to us. We thank you for your provision and your love. We thank you for giving us the disciples to guide and to launch this wonderful growth of the church that never stopped expanding. We thank you for this wonderful season that we get to celebrate what you have done in the world and who you are for us. Ask your blessing this day that you would work in us that we may be fruitful as a congregation, that we would bear fruit and that some of that fruit would fall to the ground and that a new tree would sprout up and grow and grow strong and that it would all glorify you. In Christ's name I pray, amen. All right, well, next we will confess our faith. If you please stand and find the Apostles' Creed in your bulletin. It's the classic core of our belief, right? So please read it together. Confess together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord 
who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. And from the Westminster Short Catechism, what is the chief end of man? That's my favorite question. What is the chief end of man? The man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Amen. Uh, well, let me pray quickly before the officers come down to receive the offering. Our generous and mighty God, we thank you for your abundant provision, especially in a season like this where we can feast and enjoy family and friends. We thank you for abundantly providing for us and that all is yours. And we seek to give back joyfully to you, a part of what is yours, uh, in trust and in faith that you will use it to further your kingdom, that you will use it to build up the church and to seek out the lost. We thank you for this opportunity and uh, please give us us wisdom and generosity as we model your giving and the giving of these offerings. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Please be seated, yes, sorry.